So uh, I wrote this introduction, so I'm just going to be honest with you. I wrote this introduction, and now as I'm standing here, I'm going, I don't think you sh should have said it that way. So what you're about to see is me editing on the fly. Um, I will tell you, in case you haven't known, I am a recovering talker. Um, the longer you are around me, the more likely it is that I will tell you something that I think you need to know. And you may or may not agree with me, but that's okay because I just want to tell you. That's, that's the way I am. I'm a teller. I'm a talker. Uh, I have been that way all my life. Uh, I enjoy talking to people. Uh, in person, uh, all over the phone, online, through things like Zoom and Skype and all these things. Uh, uh, particularly, I like seeing people's faces when I talk to them. So sometimes talking on the phone gets... It, it's good for quick conversations, but if I'm going to talk for a long time, let's, I need to see your face. Like, I need to know when you go to sleep when I'm talking to you. That's why I like, no, uh, I, I like to talk one-on-one. -on -one. I like to talk in groups. Uh, I've always been a talker. Talk, 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 talk. Some of you are going, yeah, 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 okay. I look at it as a gift. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Uh, I like to think uh, I like to think that I'm a creative communicator. I work at keep uh, to, uh, to not be boring. Uh, I, I work at keeping my words short, simple, and easy to understand. Uh, I, I recognize that because I have a friend whose Facebook statuses often require me to go find a dictionary. You know, I think I have a decent vocabulary, but if I read his post, I'm going, Ooh, yeah. And then this, during all this time, I've been researching things like coronavirus and COVID-19 and reading, uh, just to be honest, I, they're really, really academic papers. And I read them, and I've, I, there was one I read, the sentence was like, it filled my screen on my tablet one sentence and I had to rewrite it in my mind to understand what the guy was actually trying to say uh, I, I don't try I, I try not to talk like that I try not to communicate like that but I have discovered regardless of what I try to do there are limits yes as a talker there are limits to what I can communicate one of those limits is talking about Jesus uh, I can talk about Jesus. I talk about Jesus nearly every Sunday in our worship celebrations. I, I talk about Jesus often. Uh, but there's really no guarantee that the people who are listening to me, that you will see Jesus for who he is. No matter what I say or how I say it, the Holy Spirit has to reveal something to you. The Holy Spirit has to show you Jesus. I read this week the, the, these words, and they, they, 
They, they just kind of confirmed what I'd already been thinking. Uh, unless Jesus is revealed to us, we stand no chance of recognizing him. Sure, we can read about him from the pages of the Bible. Uh, others can preach, teach, and otherwise tell us about him until they're blue in the face. And we can be confident. We have understood them perfectly. In fact, we can give our mental, intellectual, and even willful assent, agreement to all of the truth and truths concerning Jesus. Still, unless Jesus is revealed to us, we stand no chance of recognizing him for who he is. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal Jesus to us. Now, to be sure, the Holy Spirit can reveal Jesus to us through reading the Bible uh, or through the witness of others or by teaching and preaching and so forth. Uh, but it's important for us to realize that just because those things are happening and just because the essential content of them is accurate does not mean that Jesus is being revealed by the Holy Spirit. One of the things that we have set as a goal as a congregation is to be able to communicate who Jesus is to people who don't know Jesus yet. And so when I come face to face with this truth that there are limits to what I can communicate and I can even say the right things about Jesus to the people who need to hear about Jesus and they still, even though they may understand what I'm saying, may not get it. How can we tell others about Jesus and what we've experienced from knowing him in a way that helps them to see him? This morning we're in Luke chapter 4, verses 33 to 44. And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, just kind of very, towards the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Uh, it's not like the very first thing, but it's toward the beginning. Um, Luke chapter 4, verses 31 to 44. Luke, Luke is our, uh, I, I'm calling it uh, the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, our gospel for the year. Uh, I, I try to focus on a different gospel each year. And this year we're focusing on Luke. Uh, and uh, so that's one of the reasons we're here. We're looking at his message, and he's talking to us about who Jesus was, how he lived, what it was like when the God of gods and the King of kings and the Lord of lords became a human being and, and walked around on the face of the earth. This is the kind of stuff that happens when God shows up. So verse 31, Luke chapter 4, verse 31, Then Jesus went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. For those of us who aren't Jewish, let me explain Sabbath. Sabbath is Saturday. And uh, it's the seventh day of the week. And it's the week, day of the week that the Jewish people, by the way, in case you didn't know, Jesus was Jewish. Uh, some people are shocked to hear that. So I just thought I'd remind you, Jesus was Jewish. That's why he, on the Sabbath day, he taught people. It was their day of teaching and religion. We do things on Sunday. 
they, the Jewish people, still do their worship primarily on Saturday. And it's their day of rest. It's their day of break. And so this is what's going on. Jesus is being, being a good Jewish boy. And he's teaching people on the Sabbath. And they are amazed, it tells us in verse 30, they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out in a loud voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet. Haynes paraphrase. Shut up! Preachers are not supposed to talk like that. I'm sorry. Jesus said, be quiet sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. And all the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding areas. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon, Peter. And Peter's mother-in-law, Simon's mother-in-law, was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. You always know grandma feels better when grandma starts cooking. Just saying. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses, and laying hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. And in Mark's record of Jesus' life, he tells us that when he went out to this solitary place, he spent time in prayer. So at daybreak, Jesus, that would be Sunday morning. Jesus went out to a solitary place to pray. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. I mean, after all, there were still sick people in town. And my great aunt, you know, my great aunt from down the road is, is on her way over here, and we really need you to hang around so you can heal her. And Jesus' response was, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that, was, that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So I want you to look at that. Jesus has this opportunity to stay in Capernaum where all kinds of people are coming to him to be healed and released from oppression and depression and oppression and uh, all these things that are the spiritual battles that are going on and he's winning because that's what happens when God shows up. He wins. 
And so people are saying, hey, come on, stay here. You've having a great successful ministry. And Jesus says, time out. This stuff's important, but my mission is to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. So what is that? I mean, what is the good news of the kingdom? In other words, uh, what is the gospel? Good news is gospel. Gospel, it means good news. And so what is the good news? Well, the really short answer is this. The good news is Jesus. That's the really short answer. But then, of course, that begs the question, but what was the good news that Jesus wanted to proclaim in all the towns? I mean, it, it's pretty obvious he just didn't, wasn't going around going, Hi, I'm the Messiah. In fact, when the demons were trying to tell everybody he was the Messiah, he told them to be quiet. Someday we'll talk about why he would do that. Jesus' good news declared that what we've been talking about earlier when we did the Bible reading from Philippians chapter 2. When the King of kings and the Lord of lords shows up as a human being in the world, things change drastically. Some of the obvious things are like sick people are healed. Spiritually oppressed people are set free. Authority and power are in his words. God came in this to this broken world to repair it and all the broken people in it. By the way, in case you haven't noticed, 2020 is an excellent example of the truth that we live in a broken world. My, the fav my favorite description of 2020 so far goes like this. This year has been like looking both ways to cross the street and being hit by an airplane. <laughs> you know, that's the last, the last thing we have expected to happen is what's happening. And just when we think we, 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 we're, we're adjusting, something else happens, right? Another airplane comes or something. A submarine surfaces underneath us. It's just weird. So Jesus is, is proclaiming to people, God is here and things are going to turn around. That's his good news. In fact, earlier in chapter 4, it records how he went to the synagogue in Nazareth the place of worship in his hometown. And he read this promise from Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the gospel. This is the good news of the kingdom that Jesus was proclaiming. He's pronounced to his hearers, today, this promise is fulfilled 
in your hearing. The Haynes paraphrase goes something like this. You just witnessed Isaiah's prophetic promise become history. Hundreds of years before, Isaiah had said, there's one who's going to be coming and the spirit of the Lord will be on him and he will be anointed to preach and to set people free and to heal the blind and, and, and declare the, the day of the Lord's favor, God's blessing. And Jesus says to them, here's the good news. This is the day. The good news of the kingdom that Jesus proclaimed stated, God God lives, really, right now, God lives with the broken, bruised, and crushed people to bring them healing here and now. Not someday somewhere, here and now. He's come. All of God's free favors, all of his blessings profusely flourish. This is his message. All of God's favors profusely flourish right now in this time and in this place the kingdom has come that's the good news so what's the gospel oh what are we supposed to share I mean, we're supposed to share good news right everybody knows that uh so Let's bring all this stuff together that we've been talking about so far. I started by saying that the gospel centers uh, on Jesus. The center of the good news is Jesus. And then we added that Jesus declared that here and now, all of God's free blessings flourish and overflow. So this is what I want you to understand. Then and now, the good news declares that God transformed and continues to transform the world through Jesus. We have hope because we know that this is not the end of the story. Even if something worse than a pandemic happens this year. Or it doesn't end next year. Or the year after. We still have hope because it's not the end of the story. God is at work and has been at work from that day when Jesus set foot on the earth from that moment until now and on and on and on until he finishes it, he is transforming this world. This is not the end. The good news proclaims that God launched the final steps of renovating this broken world in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And he's not done and he won't finish until he is done. So here and now, all of God's priceless gifts overflow to everybody who welcomes King Jesus and begins to live for him and to recognize that he's the sovereign. He's the one who rules. This is a difficult, I'm just going to be honest, for us as Americans, this is a difficult concept. We're used to electing people and then reminding them that they work for us. 
and then getting mad at them when they don't work for us. And then we got term limits. You know, the worst that can happen is you're going to have that president you don't like for eight years instead of, you know, four. But eight's the max. And then another one's going to come in there that you can get mad at. We're not used to this concept. We're people who are leaders in our society come and go as fast as possible. We're called to live in a kingdom with a king who will never be impeached, voted out of office, has no term limits, and has absolute authority. He doesn't work for us. We work for him. See, God opened the door to his renovated and restored and made new fixed world, for lack of a better way of saying it. The world that he, he wanted to fix that we broke he, he's in that process of transforming it into what he created it to be and what he created us to be. He's in that process. And he invites every single human being to leave behind our broken ways to follow Jesus in the ways of God's kingdom. He says to us, whether you recognize it or not, you have stinking thinking. Your, your thinking is broken. Here's how it works in the kingdom. You give up rights to serve and to sacrifice. Knowing full well that in due time, God will lift you up. Don't go around pushing your rights, demanding your stuff because you're going to fall on your face in the mud. The way this world works is broken. Stop doing that. Start living like the kingdom. The world tells you look out for number one. In the kingdom, you'll discover everybody else is number one. That's really popular. Uh, see, he, Jesus invites every single human being to leave our broken ways, to recognize that he's the king, and that he knows far better than we will ever know how we ought to be living and how healthy living and loving and relationships are as opposed to the way we used to usually think they could work. He calls us to follow God's ways in this healed world that God is making. Uh, you don't need, you know, this is good news for some of us and some of us may be terrified by it, but here it is. You, you don't need to depend on other people to tell your friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, and coworkers about Jesus. You don't need to depend on other people. You 
can engage in the five acts of telling the good news about Jesus. And everyone can do these. Everyone can do these. You don't need to go to seminary. You don't need to go to Bible college. You don't need to, to have attended Sunday school for 16,000 years or even 16 weeks. Uh, so, so let's start. What, what are these five acts of telling the good news that everyone can do? Well, begin with prayer. That's number one. Begin with prayer. Pray for those in your sphere of influence. Well, you know, I mean, I don't know. How do I pray? I'm glad you asked. Second Corinthians chapter four for, for, brings out some principles. Paul brings out some principles about what it's like to live in this broken world. Second Corinthians chapter four. I'm going to read verses four and six. Um, first, he says, "The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that." displays the glory of Christ Jesus, who is the image of God. Okay, so here's the first problem. Every single one of us has at some point in time been an unbeliever. And when we're unbelievers, we don't see the truth about who Jesus is. And the God of this world, this age, and all of his minions do everything they possibly can to make sure we never see. So when you start praying for loved ones and family members and neighbors and co-workers who need to know Jesus, one of the things you're doing is praying that the blinders come off. Well, that sounds kind of scary. Let's talk about verse 6 here. Paul says, God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So all we're doing is asking God to do for them what he did for us. At some point in time, he opened our eyes to who Jesus really is. That's all we need to do. When we're praying for people, oh Lord, please, by some slim chance, I hope you possibly might want to include this person in your family. What? His family's for everybody. That's not the issue. The issue is that the enemy is keeping their eyes closed and blinded to who Jesus really is. Can you imagine, now that you know who Jesus is, you've got a glimpse at least of who he is. Can you imagine not loving him? If you say yes, I think you haven't seen him yet. I can't imagine not loving Jesus. I can't imagine not trusting Jesus. I can't imagine not following him. And I can't imagine anybody else who gets a chance to see him for who he really is. God, no, nah, I don't want any of that. It doesn't, I can't understand that. So I, when we pray, we begin with prayer. We're praying that God will do a supernatural, miraculous thing. Just like he said in Genesis, in the very beginning, like we have recorded in Genesis 1, let there be light. And there was light. We're saying to him, we agree with you 
Let there be light in this person's life. So they see Jesus just like you did for me. How could they ever say no to somebody who loves them like that? So the sermon in a sentence for today is a simple, powerful prayer. Uh, I'm going to say it several times because, well, repetition is good for us. And besides, if I say it often enough, you might actually accidentally memorize it and be able to recall it and use it. Jesus, fill my friend with the light of your love. Jesus, fill my child with the light of your love. Jesus, fill my grandchild with the light of your love. Jesus, fill my relative with the light of your love. Jesus, fill my acquaintance with the light of your love. Jesus, fill my neighbor with the light of your love. Jesus, fill my coworker with the light of your love. Jesus, fill with the light of your love. That's the prayer. You don't have to yell and scream. I grew up around people who yelled and screamed when they prayed. Not everybody. And not particularly my parents. But there were people I went to church with that unless they were, you know, shaking the windows, they didn't... I don't know if they, I, I don't know why they prayed like that because it's just not, it's not. I, I, you don't have to do that. You see, the, the prayer, the power of prayer is not in the person who's speaking the prayer. The power in prayer is the one to whom you address the prayer. The pr- power is in Jesus, not you. So, Just connect with Jesus. It can be a whisper. It can be a thought. It could be yelling and screaming. I'm not putting that down. Uh, Well, and I'm just going to be honest with you. There have been a couple times I've yelled when I was praying. But those were more like some of the Psalms. We've talked about that kind of thing before. Just Jesus filled my loved one with the light of your love so they see you for who you are and want to love you and worship you and follow you as you so richly deserve that's what we need to be praying so pray begin with prayer second thing Listen. Listen to their concerns and their questions. Listen to their stories. Listen to their spiritual interests. What what are they thinking about Jesus? Or, Or are they thinking about Jesus at all? Somebody pointed out that God gave us two ears and one mouth so that we probably ought to listen twice as much as we talk. For people like me, that's a challenge. 
you know, as a talker. Can I just be honest? My mouth is bigger than both my ears put together. <laughs> but still, listen about twice as much as you talk. I, I read this and I've become convinced as I've, as I've learned to, to not talk as much and to listen more that listening is so close to being feeling like love that for a lot of people they can't tell the difference if you just listen to somebody for five minutes they're going to walk away thinking man they love me they really care now let me tell you how you can amp that up the next time you see them ask them about whatever it is that they told you about Don't do it on Facebook. Just saying. Eat with them. You know, build relationships over meals or, or coffee or, or, you know, coffee and pie, ice cream and pie, ice cream. There's, one, there's a reason people like to eat. I mean, there are a lot of reasons that people like. One of the reasons we like to eat together is that it's a bonding thing. It connects us. Can, can you... Well, okay, yeah, I'm going to do it. I, I try to refrain from doing this kind of stuff, but here's a really good example. Can you imagine Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump sitting down to eat together? Nope. Why? They can't stand each other. You don't eat with people you can't stand. Oh, by the way, here's a great thing about the kingdom. You don't have the privilege of not standing anybody. In the kingdom, you love everybody. Yes. Even those people. Mm -hmm. Even them. I'm just waiting for the excuses to stop, right? Yours and mine. So Jesus didn't leave the throne of heaven to become a human being, to become a sacrifice on the cross for the people he liked. Or the people that already liked him or the people that already agreed with him, he came for every single human being who ever has lived and ever will live. Everyone. No exceptions. And if we're going to turn around and live in his kingdom, we have to follow his example. So you may end up having coffee with somebody that you thought you didn't really like. Because... You're learning to love them like Jesus does. Now, I, by the way, I'm not saying put yourself in a dangerous situation. Okay? That's not what I'm talking about. 
I mean, if somebody has been visit physically or verbally or some way abusive to you, I am not suggesting you take them out for coffee and pie. Those people are dangerous. There is a reason to stay away from them, but that is not the same as not loving them. If, not, if that's not clear, I'll try to explain it later. Okay, so feel free to ask about that. So let me see. The first thing is begin with prayer. Pray, pray. It, well, I'm going to underline this again. Pray. Jesus, fill this person with the light of your love. Listen to them. Eat with them. Serve. Care for them. Let them care for you and care for other people together with them. Are you following me? Serve. That's what happens in the kingdom. We serve. We serve others. We allow people to serve us. And we work together to serve even more people. Pray. Begin with prayer. Listen to them. Eat with them. Serve. And finally, story sharing. Seize opportunities to talk about the story of Jesus and His love for the people that you're talking to. Share the story of your life with Jesus how your eyes were open to who he is and how you can't imagine living life without him. Here and now, all of God's priceless gifts overflow to everyone who welcomes King Jesus and lives for him and lives with him. So who do you know? Who do you know that needs to experience God's priceless gifts here and now? Is it you? Is it a friend, a family member, uh, an acquaintance or a neighbor? Imagine what a joy it would be. Imagine what a joy it will be when Jesus shines the light of his love into the recesses of your broken life or into the recesses of the broken lives of the people you love and care for. Imagine what a joy it will be when Jesus shines that light of his love and his grace and his mercy into your loved one's broken life. And they are amazed by who he is. Here and now, all of God's blessings, his priceless gifts overflow to everyone who welcomes him as king and lives for him. You don't need to wait till you die to experience that healing power Jesus brings. The gospel is not about someday by and by. The gospel is about this day. This is the day of the Lord's favor. So the question is, will you invite Will you invite Jesus to shine the light of his love into your life now? Or 
if he has, will you welcome him to reign as king in your life? Will you begin to pray for your loved ones so that they see Jesus for who he is? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we know the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. We once were blind, but now we see because you opened our eyes. The forces of darkness keep our loved ones, our friends, our acquaintances, even our enemies from seeing the gospel, seeing the light of your love. This shows us how great you are. They will not, our loved ones will not recognize that Jesus is the image of God. That if they want to know what God is like, all they have to do is look at you, to look at Jesus. They will not know that unless you reveal it to them. So here and now, we declare, let light outshine darkness. Let your light overcome blindness. Make your, the light of your love shine in the hearts of those we pray for right now. Jesus, fill with the light of your love. Give us all a glimpse, a fresh new glimpse of God's glorious light shining in the face of Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for uh, participating either on-site or online. Uh, I want to remind you that Jesus is the center of God's plan to transform and restore this broken world. And you and I, we, are central to the Holy Spirit's mission to proclaim the story of Jesus to every man, woman, and child in Bay County and beyond. The Holy Spirit works in and through us to do far more than we could ever imagine or dream or ask. He, he does it deep, deeply and gently. He renews our minds and transforms our lives and he touches people through us. So, you are sent to love everyone, everywhere, every day. Go with Jesus.